The, the thinking was that, um, you, you know, everyone cares about something and that something is often quite diverse and, and most opportunities that companies had taken around these things were in a top-down sort of let me foist my charity or, or nonprofit choices upon you sort of a way rather than how can we connect um, companies and people to what matters and resonates in ways that will uh, help employees feel better connected to their uh, employers, but also help them ascend along their path to their best selves and increase their sense of self-worth and efficacy and things like that, all of which would, would inure to the benefit of the, of, of the employer as well. Purposely Podcast, speaking with social entrepreneurs and charity founders and leaders, people who are making the world a better place. Here's your host, Mark Longbottom. Welcome to episode 33 with Benevity founder Brian DeLossenville. Benevity offers cloud-based software to drive corporate giving, volunteering and purpose and they have clients like Nike and Microsoft. Incredibly, they're responsible for facilitating in excess of $6 billion worth of donations, all to good causes. When we spoke to Brian, he was sitting in Calgary where Benevity is based. They just welcomed major new investment from HG in London. We had a really good, relaxed conversation. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Enjoy. Jumping straight into your Benevity story, what inspired you to start Benevity? Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm very similar to a lot of people, and I think an increasing number of people who, who sort of uh, have always wanted to leave the world better than they found it or, or, you know, whatever the expression of their desire might be. But I, I come from fairly uh, humble uh, beginnings and, and have been fortunate to sort of live in a, in a country um, not unlike yours where uh, education can be an emancipating event. And so I, I, I was fortunate to do well in school. I went to law school. I, I ended up, um, getting some fairly senior operational roles in, in a couple of companies that uh, had ended up um, selling. And, and uh, toward the, the, lat- the, the, the most recent one before Benevity was a company called iStock Photo, which um, was one of the first multi-sided platform businesses uh, in the world that sort of utilized user-generated content and crowdsourcing and, and many of the things uh, that are sort of table stakes now for for large um, web-based businesses. But uh, after we sold that company uh, in typical Canadian fashion too early uh, to to a uh, company called Getty Images, um, interestingly, my my daughter around the same time asked me what I did for a living. And uh, I remember thinking, you know, I didn't necessarily say what I was thinking, but what I was thinking was, well, I fix up companies and I sell them for as much money as I can, honey. Um, But I, I gave her a more sanitized uh, version, but it really got me sort of focused on the fact that my actions and my intentions had not been aligned in the area of, of uh, wanting to give back. And so I, I poked around the nonprofit sector thinking maybe I could run a charitable organization. Um, 
and uh, unlike you, I, I perceived pretty quickly I, I didn't have the skill set for it, and uh, perhaps not the patience either uh, to deal with some of the governance issues and things. And around the same time, I, I had invested in a uh, consuming for good sort of startup that was uh, trying to be a, a loyalty program um, that that kind of gave back, and it it uh, ended up failing miserably. I recall it was called Through You and. We all lost our money, so ended up calling it "screw you." But um. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. So, you, were you and just checking in on that? So, um, angel is it angel investment that you had at the time with other investors? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's some key metrics that you focused on, um, which got you things. Yeah, right? exactly. I I, uh, I I kind of had been unaware of 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 the landscape generally, and and then specifically. At the time, this is sort of 2007, 2008, and uh, in North America at that time, less than 5% of the $300 billion in, in uh, donation volume in North, North America um, was being done online. And even of the online donations, the fulfillment in the one-to-many charity context was mostly by checks and tax receipts in the mail. And so I was thinking just how much... Um, money that was being chewed up in manual-centric sort of processes that could be going to the social issues. And so that was one metric. And then the other was of that then 300 billion, now 450 billion or whatever the number is, um, less than 5% of it came from companies, um, notwithstanding all of the trends even back then around social responsibility and shared value and, and, and many of those things. And and so those were the the, the two eye-popping sort of stats that led to a conclusion that there was an opportunity here for some constructive disruption. And uh, in my thesis at the time, um, which I think, I think we may have talked about before, but you know, my, the reason why I thought that corporate number had been flat for so many years was that most companies were pursuing a predominantly handout mentality rather than an investment opportunity mentality. And if we could better integrate business impact and social impact, we could drive more investment from companies, increase social outcomes, and and hence uh, the idea of Benevity was was born. Fantastic. Yeah, because before the podcast, we talked a bit about um, a role I had been in with a company who saw the value in shared sense of purpose, giving as a way of bringing the culture of the company together. So people at all levels could relate to each other, feel a sense of purpose beyond business. Um, but, you, but you're talking about um, the, you know, companies really uh, putting it in their sort of mission rather than deciding. Yeah, so. well, I mean, the third metric that, that uh, I focused on as part of this idea was engagement um, and, and that, you know, more or less 60 to 70% of employees are not engaged in their jobs. And there's there's um, similar data around uh, the engagement opportunity of consumers around social impact initiatives. But, you know, the, the thinking was that, um, you, you know, everyone cares about something and that something is often quite diverse. And, and most opportunities that companies had taken around these things were in a top-down sort of let me foist my charity or, or nonprofit choices upon you sort of a way rather than how can we connect um, companies and people to what matters and resonates in ways that will 
help employees feel better connected to their uh, employers, but also help them ascend along their path to their best selves and increase their sense of self-worth and efficacy and things like that, all of which would, would inure to the benefit of the, of, of the employer as well. Yeah, great. And just reflecting a bit on you as a person, so um, you're, a, you're a lawyer, a reformed lawyer, <laughs> is that too cheeky to say? Um, you had a real interest in, in tech or in, in SaaS. Um, is it is a sort of techn- technology as a friend? Well, like you, uh, know, if, if, I'm, uh, if I'm being really candid, and, and uh, I should be because people will chide me if they listen to this, uh, truth be told, I can barely use my phone. Um, so... I I uh, I did I, I my first non legal um, gig was a manufacturing company um, a very constructively disruptive one and high growth one and then iStock Photo was my first sort of technology foray and um, and so iStock Photo was founded by a guy called Bruce Livingston but you were brought in as their chief operating yeah, officer yeah I was I was right? uh, I described myself as the adult supervision at iStock Photo but but yes it was started by a young photographer named Bruce who was uh, you know was really a, a visionary idea at the time although developed somewhat accidentally uh, as many as as many great business ideas do yeah and did you have a, a stake in that, or so you you mentioned earlier that it's sold sold to it too soon or too cheap? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we just didn't think about the scale um, of the opportunity. We were we were uh, on the on the early curve of digital imagery back then, and and uh, Getty Getty at the time uh, was a sizable business and Getty and another company called Corbis sort of dominated um, the stock photography business and. And, uh, you, you know, we were selling images for a dollar um, and a large one for $5. And I think Getty's average price was $250. So it was a very disruptive uh, pricing model. And and uh, actually, when Getty first bought us, their plan was to shut it down um, because it was cannibalizing their business. And, and we persuaded... Uh, uh, Jonathan Klein, the, the then chairman, to uh, pour gas on it instead, which um, he did, and and uh, through a succession of price changes and growth, I think ended up selling it for three point three billion. Not too many years later, so as as what wow. it could have should us go, I think uh, Bruce and I have most people beat and Pat Lore. Brilliant. And and starting Benevity, like, do you mind me just asking you what your personal situation was because I think more than a decade on 13 years on and you can you know look at a lot of the success the benefits had and, and it's it's been really established um you know you've got most of the big brands of the world using the platform but going back to that startup were you married then you had children yeah, no, you I, had I, I was married I was I, I have a daughter who's 18 now so she, she was uh in school and 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 I have a 12 year old son but I was um financially secure so uh, unfortunately a lot of people don't you know invest in these things until they uh feel financially secure and and, and part of the the uh, thesis which i I'm, I'm pleased to see being validated you know over the years at benevity is that doing well and doing good are not uh you know alternatives they they are part of what i hope all business will be and and so uh, unfortunately i think a lot of people turn to uh doing good after they have <laughs> sort of pursued something else and uh you know i think 
obviously there's lots of social enterprises and, and the people you interview on this, this program are those that are combining purpose and profit uh, or purpose and impact in, in, in ways that, uh, you know, historically perhaps we haven't. Yeah, absolutely. And thinking back to those very early days and how did it come together did people there were people looking at you as, like as if you were mad um they didn't they, they didn't think it was possible like do you remember do you remember that, that is, yes I, I do days. remember um and and part of the reason i remember is that you know so much of what's going on with benevity these days i mean we yesterday was uh uh giving tuesday and and uh through the platform on a global basis, we, we, we raised $55 million through our companies and their, their employees. And, and, uh, I remember, you know, how long, um, you know, it, it, it took us to, to get any level of scale, but, you know, it was, a we, I chose the, the structure of a B corporation, which is, uh, I, I don't, I don't know if it's a North American, um, uh, structure, but basically a for-profit business that has a social mission baked into its articles. Um, and I was fortunate to have my my own financial resources, so I I was able to sort of put my money where my idea was, and and had a number of um, angel investors from the oil and gas sector. Calgary is a sort of a predominantly energy. Um, sector town and and uh, so lots of uh, and i think this was back when uh, oil was a hundred dollars a barrel or something so so lots of um you know thick walleted uh, oil and gas angels who who wanted to invest in in something good i, I think some of them thought it was a, a charity i'm not sure what what they thought but uh, i led every um, early round with my with my own funding, which made it a little easier to to get other people willing to take a chance on it. But any sophisticated investors or institutional investors, um, some of those folks didn't see a business uh, there. Many of them, um, many rounds and, and private equity investors later are are sort of saying, hmm, <laughs> maybe should have done that one. Maybe should maybe should have jumped on. The key back then is your your vision hasn't changed for much, has it, from the start? Because you've you saw the potential for the size and scale, um, and it, one one thing I really love is the democratization of giving. So, um, and that that yeah, I mean, true? I, that early I, vision my, hasn't changed. My, much. Uh, I, there, there was one tweak, Mark. I mean, originally we were going to, we we built an API suite. Um, so, you know, we were going to be functionality that was embedded into other online environments. So, uh, loyalty programs, e-commerce shopping uh, sites, um, branded donation sites, those sorts of things. And and uh, where we could embed the giving, the uh, matching, the donation currency incentives into those environments, um, and have a relatively small company and a and a and a big global back end that would deal with the real time tax receiving and the disbursements on a one to many basis, uh, all of those sorts of things, and and it it uh, we had a couple of years of great meetings uh, ar- around those types of integrations, um, but the sales cycle was glacial because the companies needed to build interface around the, uh, the functionality. And so one of our targeted areas um, was always employee 
giving. And uh, so in that area, we, we built a car for the engine, if you will, um, which is our core mm. product now. And, and had we not done that in hindsight, we'd be, we'd be long since dead. Um, ironically, now the API is getting a fair bit of action as companies embrace this concept of weaving purpose into their businesses and not just on the employee side, but in their customer facing and, and other stakeholder uh, environments. Yeah, because, you, you know, that's um, stake, uh, shareholder value is one metric uh, that's still troubling chief execs of, of very large companies, public companies, but but actually purpose has now been thrown alongside that, um, whether it's the, the, the board or the CEO want it to be, but they can't ignore it, and you guys are well-placed for that. Um, and do you, re- do you remember any sort of early frustrations or, or failures in that kind of startup phase? Like I picture you as quite a patient um, perfectionist, but that, that's just my oh, projection. On I team. don't know who do you you've remember? been talking to, Mark, but um, <laughs> I, I am, uh, well, being trained as a lawyer, I, I would say I prefer to describe it as detail oriented. How's that? Um, but uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean any any company that's that's um, been around as as we've been around a dozen years now, and um, you know there've been lots of lots of failures and challenges, but uh, you know that that early change of direction, you know where when we built Spark, which is the employee giving and volunteering solution, um, it was really fashioned off of. Uh, Mint, which was a concept of, uh, you know, a centralized toolkit for sort of financial um, dealing with your your personal financial matters. And the idea of Spark was to be a centralized toolkit for citizen philanthropy, if you will. And and uh, and so we built it with choice um, and democratization at the core. So, um, you know, needed to be able to uh, empower users to choose from an extremely broad database of, of uh, nonprofit choices. And at the same time, empower companies to create sort of strategic bias, if you will, to the causes, partners, pillars, events that um, might be uh, part of what they viewed as more strategic. And so getting that vertical focus with a horizontal engagement model in hopes that we could better harness sort of the billions of armies of one, if you will, uh, around weaving, giving back into the culture of those companies and ultimately into society. Yeah, because you've described in in another interview that you're um, a baby boomer, um, but you had uh, millennials in mind when you built this company um, and you could see how they approach giving differently how they view the world differently Um, well i i I describe myself um as a box ticker as a boomer in in the area of of doing good so you know in in north america um the united way is a a sort of charity aggregator that that uh, is was a popular way of companies um to engage in a typically a once a year sort of fundraising exercise. And, and it, it's a great organization. I mean, there's 1,800 of them throughout North America, but, but their focus was fundraising. And, and so they would pick a number, they would rally around the number, companies would impose 
peer pressure, management pressure, you know, whatever. And, and, and we're very successful at, at hitting the number. Um, and for people like me, I, you know, I would participate despite the fact I didn't necessarily know where the money was going. I didn't know when it was going. I didn't necessarily even know how much of it was going, but I was pretty sure that some good was happening. Um, so my box was ticked and, and to some extent I, I, I felt better about um, myself and sense of uh, efficacy. Millennials, by contrast, mm-hmm. who've grown up in an entirely digital world where they can customize their Nikes and build a car online, and you know th- their idea of that type of transaction is much different. Needs to be com- convenient. Needs to be empowered, transparent. There needs to be accountability. There needs to, you know, all sorts of choice is 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 huge. And so, we built our application from the user out rather than the company down, and that turned out to be something of a revolutionary approach. Fantastic, yeah. And you know, we've all I've been in situations where you know charities have had to sort of um, battle each other. Um, and then you got the sense that the, the the board of a company got their own way anyway. Um, and people who are giving and engaged, it's completely transformative, I think. If without the engagement piece, um, your giving is going to be box ticking, just like you've reflected on. Um, and and I think it's uh, also autonomy or ownership of the of the process, which your platform gives, which is which is absolutely brilliant. As a as a leader, so you know, you've um, from startup through to scaling. Um, you took on investment along the way. Um, I think you raised forty million dollars in two thousand nineteen. Is um, is that right? From a a round of funding. So, but previously, that, as you mentioned, you'd been funding it yourself with some investment from private sources. Um, you're still CEO. And so you're combining founder and CEO. Um, what do you like as a leader? What are the trials and tribulations of, of being both founder and CEO? It'd be great uh, to hear. Well, I mean, uh, I, I am founder. We had um, we had four original employees that I, I also consider um, co-founders. Only only one of them is still working in the business. They they have all uh, sort of retired or left in the last couple of years so i'm i'm the last and and oldest man standing um uh, in that regard but it's it's been um and this is the longest i have ever done a single thing in in my life so it's been uh challenging in that regard um just because i i have always needed to move on to something else and and yet there's so much to do here still you know we're you know, just scratching the surface of, of what is possible. And we're trying to grow the pie, not move it around. And we're trying to move people from, you know, the transactional to the experiential in, in hopes to weave that further into the fabric of culture and, and power, uh, you know, put companies in a position where they're, they're not, they don't have these functions siloed. They have a holistic approach where they can look at employee giving, look at volunteering, look at behavioral change, look at grant making all um, in a single view with a view to driving participation, not necessarily 
just fundraising. So I don't think too much about the founder part. I, I, uh, I, I occasionally marvel at some of the metrics, like I mentioned before, the, the 55 million in a day, as opposed to, you know, how long it took to, to get that in a year. <laughs> uh, but, uh, mm. you know, we're, we've created a, a, a top drawer team of professional management here. I just brought on a CTO in the last six months who's fantastic. Um, uh, elevated our CFO to president, this woman, Kelly Schmidt, who is ultimately going to be the CEO of the company. I'm not sure when, but, um, you, you know, it's been really gratifying watching the growth of the people in the organization and, and their passion for the hybrid nature of our business. And, and it's a huge part of, of why we have been able to attract investment. Our, our client retention rate is like 99%, which is unheard of for a software company. And, and that is solely yeah, a function of, mm -hmm. of the people and the culture and our commitment um, and, you know, the authenticity of that commitment to, to really, you know, as trite as it sounds, leave the world meaningfully better than, than we found it. Um, so it's, it's, it's been nothing but uh, gratitude and appreciation the last few years. Um, it, you, you know, I, I, uh, I think I'm, uh, increasingly less important to the company, which is a sign of success. Yeah, absolutely. And as a leader, I, you described in an, another um, article that, um, you know, you, you want people to be engaged to deliver impact, but you talk about, and this intrigued me actually, comfortable with discomfort as a, as a good CEO. Um, and that's, so you, you talked about software disturbing the equilibrium or the, the marketplace, but, um, disrupting thought or patterns of behavior in, in a kind of organization and getting people to see things differently or just be the best they can be. Yeah, is you that, know, part of it thing? is, is uh, you, you mentioned impatience. I mean, it's, it's uh, I, I think innovation is so important in our world, no matter what aspect of it we're looking at. And and in order to be innovative, you you have to be willing to both question the status quo, you know, you know, kind of from first principles, like why is it like this, and and examine in in the new context how should it really be. Um, but if if all you do is sort of default to how it's always been, uh, it's very difficult to make anything better. Um, so so we have some sort of cultural values, if you will, in the company that that um, help people align around an approach. You know, we obviously, from a product perspective, we invest a lot in improving what's now, but we also need to be thinking about what's next um, in all aspects of what we do. And so, you know, I, I, I might have um, created a, a few of those, you know, in smaller companies, the, the values of the of, of the of the company sort of are modeled behaviors and 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 approaches, but it's it's now, you know, been twelve years, and 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 many of those things are propagated throughout the organization and and executed in in, in far better ways than than I might do them. But uh, we continue to try and focus on um there's always better uh sort of as a tagline yeah which i think is a, a great way to live and in terms of um how you, know, how you spend your time what what do you do when you're not 
CEO of Benivity, what's yeah, how he's been the downtime and, and also be great to get here how um, COVID has been for you personally and for the company. Yeah. Well, um, there's a lot to unpack there, Mark. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe the second question first, COVID, uh, COVID has been challenging for uh, all of us, of course, uh, perhaps less so for, for you Kiwis, but um, you know, the, the virtual workplace and, and the change in a people first organization like ours, where the culture um, was a palpable part of, of the workplace experience. It's, it's much tougher to do that on Zoom. You know, we, at the beginning of COVID, cut back our hiring plan and, and, and a bunch of things in anticipation of being very challenged in the business. In fact, the opposite occurred. So we, we have 70-something uh, percent more volume this year. I, I don't know what it is uh, as of this moment, but um, the, the donation volume has increased the number of companies embracing purpose and therefore, uh, you know, you know, choosing our software is, is, is up, uh, in the 70% uh, as well. And so that the tax on our, um, people through this, um, through this last six to eight months in particular has been significant without adding. I mean, we're, we are adding people um, all the time, but it's, it's been a tough go in a, in a bittersweet sort of way. So, you know, we're, we're doing much better than many organizations um, in the travel industry. And, you know, you know, the ones that are struggling. So, so that's obviously positive, but it's, it's been tough to do that with all of the uh, issues that, that we all, uh, at least in North America, have have struggled with around you know kids at home and being able to work successfully from home and not being you know for those that are working uh, you know or single and you know isolated that used to rely on the, in the workplace for a big part of their social interactions. Like there's a wide variety of of challenges um, that. I'm really proud of the way our, our folks have, have uh, stepped up and, and executed. And we've tried a number of, I, th I think, decently innovative ways to stay connected. But one of the most powerful of them is actually connecting around cause. And, uh, you know, just, just a couple of days ago, we, we did a Dear 2020 campaign. We're sort of writing a notional letter uh, to 2020 about how <laughs> how pissed off we are. Um, Great. And, and yeah. we put $20.20 yeah. in all of our employees' uh, giving accounts that they could direct to the charity of their choice and, and opened up a channel um, for people to talk about where they were giving it and why. And, and it was just uh, an awesome. Brilliant. Yeah. Cathartic, yeah. And to kind of point to the culture you've guys have got because what we haven't mentioned i guess is that you are i read 90 percent of your employees uh use the platform and you don't do some heavy um prescribing on that you, you let them work it out for themselves um and and that's volunteering and and giving money which which says a lot around their passion for the software and you know for your product um on a personal level how benevity has always been an in-person office like you guys didn't you went virtual uh what what's your preference and how difficult did you find working from home and and leaving yeah a i mean we we have always um been quite flexible around um uh, how people worked so it wasn't so much um the visible hours and that you had to be in the office and and we tried to 
from a corporate governance perspective, lead with principles and values rather rather than rules. So so we were relatively used to having lots of people work virtually. The 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 movement to totally virtual was seamless from a work perspective. I think some of those extraneous elements were were maybe a bit different, you know, depending upon people's personal and family circumstances. But that part has been um, relatively easy. Easy. I miss the. Um, I'm actually in our office right right now, and there's only a handful of people here on on four floors, so it's easy to socially distance. But I miss the interaction with the people and being able to, um, you know, see their passion and and share their excitement and energy. And because I'm old and they're not, um, so I, I do miss that. Uh, it's it's also I, I like working at home. I get I get the odd hug from my 12 year old boy and and uh, probably talk to my family more than I more than I have in, in a number of years so there's pros and cons yeah and and just that very first question I asked you a lot um, but what what do you do you downtime yeah, how do you get well, away I um, relax there are two two probably only two activities now that you know be other than my family that that bring me both joy and calm and uh they are skiing and and playing golf, um, both fairly time-consuming um, exercises. So so I don't necessarily do that much of of either of them. But uh, I'm still um, I think golf. You know, because the 23 swing thoughts I'm I'm uh, entertaining uh, fully occupy my brain. I, I'm able to calm myself of the day-to-day stressors and then just. Uh, you know, we live in Calgary and, and have a place in the mountains and get to enjoy the splendor of the Canadian Rockies and, and the, the mountain air. And so getting out skiing um, in the winter is is uh, also um, a salve for me. In terms of dealing with stress and taking it home and it causing sleepless nights, has um, has age helped? And it has, I would say, not nearly as much as red wine and potato chips has helped. <laughs> I, I unfortunately well, well I've put on some in beer instead of wine and potato crisps um which is which isn't great um you know I'm nearly, 50, you know, nearly 50 I mean um, when I when I step what, back yeah. from from the business it will be because of this stress I mean when when which is ironic because we're you know you think we're, we're trying to do good it shouldn't it shouldn't be stressful but anytime anyone has ever invested in in benevity uh, whether those are or people we are hiring or, or investors we are inviting. Uh, I feel a, a sense of personal obligation to ensure that their faith in, in me and in the company and in what we're trying to achieve is fulfilled. And so um, I probably prioritize much better than I did when I was younger, but I, I still feel the, the yeah, stress. Yeah, I, I 100%. And, Looking ahead to, you know, the future of, of um, you talk about being goodness, actually, which I thought um, was really an interesting term. Um, so, and I it was getting away from philanthropy, you guys, um, you know, promoting goodness, which is, is kind of really broad, isn't it? But um, looking at the kind of um, for purpose, uh, goodness sector, is there enough, is there a, somewhere where a, um, a, a young Brian could come in and uh, d- disrupt? Like, is there something that you've gone, gosh, that I think someone could do? There's lots of people with um, 
great ideas. You know, you know, in in a in a sector like ours where we're trying to use companies and their power of aggregation, their scope of resources, their their ability to touch so um, many people through whether they're employees, customers, supply chains, whatever. Um, that is a tremendous opportunity to create cultural impact. In order to to get that on scale, it's a heavy lift. It's it's not just a clever idea. It's not just a a shiny front end. Um, there is a lot to being able to do that. Um, and so I think the opportunity for Benevity to do more of that, do it better, integrate with other entities and products that can um, take advantage of the network effect that we we are starting to be able to realize. That's where the excitement is in the future for me, is that we don't have to build or buy everything. We can create an environment where clever ideas and products and opportunities can can integrate with the platform and the ecosystem that we have operating within it. Um, and if there are too many of those, then then the network effect and the efficiencies and the scale and the automation uh, is not achievable. So um, and it's kind of a meandering answer to your question, but there's always, um, there's lots of younger, smarter Brian's out there. I have no doubt about that. Do you, do you seek kind of um, a community of similar CEOs and founders in, in the tech space? Do you spend much time drawing on their expertise or their, their, their support? I, I, you, you I should be able to say uh, that I do, uh, Mark. Uh, the reality is between trying to be uh, a good dad, a half-decent husband, and a, and, a, and a decent steward for a high-growth company, it's hard to make the time for some of those sorts of things. I I have a, a, good, uh, a good board, um, some great people within the company, but I'm not, I'm not part of any sort of formal CEO network. And uh, I think I only have two friends and, and, and maybe may be able to count you after this. But Absolutely. No, absolutely. I think um, mentoring is important to me, but actually not in a sort of traditional, will you be my mentor, Brian? Um, I would love some mentoring. And I, I found actually, ironically, listening to podcasts um, and you know, regularly listening to one person, uh, can really help or you know you, you sort of mentoring or or support can come from different places and sources comes it do you um I don't know about a lot. lot but I am um one of my decent talents is to be able to um review and and distill disparate pieces of information uh and bring them into my context where they have utility. Uh, so I, I, I read Harvard Business Review and, and things like that are, that are fairly academic. Um, I, I listen to the odd podcast, but um, I, I try and stay abreast of what's going on in the philanthropic sort of world, even though that's not our, 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 the market to which we sell things. It's, it's ultimately the, the, the recipients of, of the outputs of our platform that we're hoping to have. We have a nonprofit community council uh, with leaders from uh, you know, very diverse um, 
nonprofit organizations of different sizes so that we can help figure out what the value proposition is. So, uh, you know, we do a lot of the right things, but, you know, our, our great constraint that we all have these days is time. And, and so I, I don't read as much as I, I, I wish I did. And, and I don't um, liaise with, with other leaders of other types of companies, profit or nonprofit, as much as I wish I did and a, a bunch of those sorts of things. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure and a massive thank you for carving out some of your time to talk to me on the podcast. And um, I'm really excited about getting this out there to, to, my, to my community. Yeah, as, as did um, I, Mark. You have yeah, a really, really, nice, thank you. Uh, really nice manner. Oh, thank you. A massive thank you for listening to Purpose It Podcast. I'm thoroughly enjoying bringing these stories to you. Visit our website, purposelypodcast.com. Join our tribe. Leave your email address. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please hit subscribe. Please leave a review. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Purpose Podcast. I'm thoroughly enjoying bringing these stories to you. Visit our website, purposelypodcast.com. Join our tribe. Leave your email address. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please hit subscribe. Please leave a review. Really appreciate it.